Welcome, True Believer Readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a guy who never tries to control me, my laid-back friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm doing great. I'm, I would never try to control you, James B., because you're already so under control, right? Oh, that's very nice of you to say. <laughs> Eddie, today we're going to talk about Marvel Superheroes 14. Now, we usually talk about Amazing Spider-Man issues, and this was actually scheduled to be an Amazing Spider-Man issue somewhere in the 65 to 80 range. But then apparently John Romita's wrist got better, and they didn't need it. So this replacement issue sat around, and according to what it says on the first page, eventually ended up in Marvel Superheroes instead. Speaking of replacements, if we ever needed to be replaced... Eddie, we would need a 50-year-old comic book lover to organize and edit podcasts and a 30-year-old or so something goofy sidekick who plays the bass and laughs a lot. So I don't think that we could be replaced. Uh, Don't be so sure, James B. Today we found exactly that. Two guys like us who run an excellent podcast that I enjoy very much. Introducing Mike and Zach from the Multiverse of Badness podcast. Please tell our listeners about yourselves, gentlemen. We will. I will start because I am the old man and Zach is the spunky sidekick. So needless to say, I am the 50-year-old guy and our podcast pretty much covers all kinds of awful things, particularly characters, but sometimes storylines that have occurred in the multiverse of badness of comic books. And I'm Zach and apparently I'm both spunky and goofy, which is two things I've just learned about myself. (laughs) (laughs) So we, uh, each week, will dive into the depths of mainly Silver Age comic books, but the era where each week they needed a different villain simply just to fill pages, and we cherry-pick the absolute worst ones we can and give them a a thorough going over. Is it fair to say, Mike? It is fair to say, and I'll tell you what else is fair to say. I'm actually disappointed that we didn't find this issue on our own for our podcast because we have some things to say about the villain in this particular comic book. All right. Well, we're going to move on. I'm going to tell you about the comic here. Marvel Superheroes 14, The Reprehensible Riddle of the Sorcerer from May of 1968. We open with a voodoo Spidey doll getting poked with a pin in the head, hurting Peter Parker. Soon we learn that a balding mystic with dollar store decorations wants to vanquish Spider-Man to give him eternal power. Uh, Did anybody notice the interior design of uh, this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I know you can't see it right now, but that's exactly how my room looks. (laughs) Uh oh! I've got all the goblins and the the pentagrams and the skulls. (laughs) See, in my room actually looks like the rest of the interior design because I'm sitting in a gamer chair and I have a flashlight over top of it and I have an 8x10 of a framed picture of Spider-Man that I'm just ogling and just angrily. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know about this guy's uh, various voodoo devices in his room, but uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about what's going to happen here. He sends sonar psychic pulses out of his furry unibrow that cause Spidey to grow weak when fighting some criminals. Fortunately, the bathrobe-clad sorcerer ends this tormenting to monologue about his juju mystic psychic past. Zach, you studied something like this in Wales, right? Close enough. I did actually go to university (laughs) to uh, study to become a comic book artist, but signed up to a course where on the first day they told us, 
no uncertain terms that they would fail you if you were to put any type of graphic art. They just wanted paintings of rabbits and all uh, commercially viable art like that. So that was a real bummer. Uh, but no voodoo. So no, I wouldn't say it was the same. <laughs> Uh, well, after, the sorcerer picks up his favorite voodoo Spidey doll and pokes it with his finger. Then he puts it in the mail. James B., wh- why do you think he puts this doll in the mail? True story. I have a, I had two voodoo dolls that I got in New Orleans, and uh, I put them in the mail when I sold them on eBay. So my first thought is, <laughs> I thought he was selling this on eBay. Uh, you got to be careful, Eddie. When you sell things on eBay, you don't want to use the handwritten uh, address you want to print it because then you'll have that ebay seller protection um but he should have mailed this i think to the police department right so that way there they would be like oh wow this is the guy who must have killed spider-man but he mails it to spider-man care of the post office eh, i'm sure that's not going to come back to cause any problems later right like the post office is going to figure this out right where spider-man is I guess. That's how I get all my mail sent to my enemies. I just walk into the post office, scream their name, slam it on the counter, and storm out. I'll tell you what this reminds me of, though, is a couple issues back when Zach and I were talking. I actually thought the guy had an advertisement in an old 80s comic book where he was selling Spider-Man dolls for like 75 cents, and he was sending it to someone who had ordered it. He, he also doesn't package this very well. Again, I have to go back and let you know that he, it's not sealed with tape. Um, this is your criticism it, so far. It just really bothers me. Also, doesn't doesn't the sorcerer give you the impression that he's going to sit in this chair the whole time, yet he's going to get up to walk down and drop this into a blue uh, post office mailbox, which, by the way, has a weight limit of 13 ounces. And, I mean, this doll, if it's protected by everything. I just had a lot of problems with this. Eddie, we need to move on because this is really getting me frustrated. Postal expert there. And I have another huge problem with this particular idea, but I'm going to save that for later. All right. We flash to Peter Parker suddenly getting a, a pounding headache from the poke. Peter is so sick, he calls Dr. Bromwell to for a checkup and stays home while Gwen, MJ, and Harry go out on the town. Um, you know, this is usually when I would talk about the ladies in Spider-Man's life, but Mike, why don't you uh, tell the listeners what's going on here? Okay, well, of course, we have the lovely Gwen and Mary Jane. Well, in this particular instance, Mary Jane is dating Peter's best friend, who happens to be Harry Osborne, as we all know. Now, Gwen, of course, because... Peter has a headache, is really concerned about Peter and his well-being. But Harry's got stuff to do. He wants to go out and party with Mary Jane. So he's like, hey, Mary Jane, we're still going out. Gwen, would you like to join us while Peter sits here in bed? And Peter's like, oh, go ahead. Gwen's like, I'm not sure. And then Harry, being the good friend that he is, pretty much says, come on, gals. Pretty much, uh, don't worry, gorgeous. And he calls Gwen gorgeous, okay? who is, remember, Peter Parker's girlfriend. (laughs) Since I'm his best friend, we're keeping it in the family. What does that exactly mean? Where's his mind going here? So if this is your best friend, I don't want to meet the guy that's trying to steal your lady. I mean, it's a weird relationship all around because a little bit earlier on when uh, Harry phones 
Mary Jane to let them know that the date's off. And I think it's weird that Peter can't just phone Gwen and say he's sick. He has to tell Harry, who has to phone Mary Jane, who has to tell Gwen. But when Mary Jane is on the phone, she affectionately calls Harry Dad. Ooh, I missed that. <laughs> if you look, she uses well, Dad as like a pet affectionate term. <laughs> she's She's been known to do that in the past. That's part of her lingo, I think, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. It would be interesting to see how this date pans out, or I guess out on the town with uh, the two ladies and Harry, right? Well, we know how Harry wants it to pan out. He's pretty much said as much. <laughs> the only thing more upsetting than following that storyline is Harry Osborne's hairline. <laughs> yeah, he looks like uh, Eddie Munster's twin brother here. I don't know how Harry pulls such a fine woman as Mary Jane, because let's be honest. His dad's we money. We were all growing up. Oh, that's true. But he's dressed like he he dressed himself in a closet at Kmart. So he's really, there's a lot of bad things going on here. But the worst is, is how he's treating his good friend Peter here. It really bothers me. And eh, I don't like it. (laughs) Well, back in the sorcerer's humble abode, he straps on a uh, psycho intensifier and begins controlling Peter's mind. He sends Peter to buy a plane ticket and take a long trip to New Orleans where he decides to join Mardi Gras celebrations as Spidey. Without knowing why, Spidey heads away from the party to a warehouse where he encounters a silent, giant, blue, rubbery, ancient Egyptian clad foe. Uh, I I miss this guy's name. I'm I'm referring to him as Big Blue. You guys want to help me out here with this uh, villain? So I'm going to refer to him as Professor Huntington, but I'm not going to explain why until the end of the story, because I don't want to give anything away. I'm going to refer to him as Chibbles, just because I don't have a good reason. <laughs> There's a, uh, a video game in the late 80s. Uh, it was like a cinematic game uh, called Dragon's Lair. Yes. And uh, when you played that game at the end, there were these guys called the Mud Men, and you would hit them with your sword, and it would just bounce back, and you couldn't do anything to stop them. Or they just marched on and on and unstoppable. So he looks like one of the blue Mud Men. So even though I know his real name, since it's like on the first page, I'll go along with your, I'll go along with you, Eddie, and pretend that we don't know his name. I'll call him the Blue Mud Men. <laughs> Question for you, James B. You said Dragon's Lair. Now you were talking about the actual video game in the Chuck E. Cheese, etc. Correct. 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 Now, That's how it. did you actually afford to get far enough to see the Mud Men? Because me, that game was like a dollar back then, and it lasted like 10 seconds, and I never could perfect the jump. And after two or three dollars, my mom's like, we're not wasting money on that damn game anymore. <laughs> so I never really got very far in it, but I always adored it and was jealous of people get to such a great uh, achievement of getting that far. Sure. So the two reasons I could get that far is, one, I could stand over the shoulder of a kid who could play it really, really, really well. And like, a lot of a lot of my teenage photos are like us standing in front of Dragon's Lair. And my buddy Jeff Koger has always got the hand in it, the controller in his hand because he's the one guy who could just beat the game. But also the game did come out eventually on uh, DVD and Blu-ray, and that's the game that I can play right now, and that's the game oh. that I could beat. Because the, the home version costs a lot less. It, you don't have to put 50 cents in your television every single time. You don't? I was wondering why my television was so heavy when I tried to move it the other day. (laughs) Well, 
let me tell you about what happens in this fight with the uh, Big Bluey, is how I'm going to refer to him. With Spidey's fighting powers thrown off from the uh, mind control, Big Blue gets the best of him. At the apex of the fight, it looks like Bluey will finish Spidey off by crushing him with a medieval fruit cart. Uh, anybody else see this fruit cart? This could be the best use of a fruit cart in a comic, right? I think a fruit cart's probably the most overused trope in a comic. Why is it every time <laughs> a hero is about to get crushed, it's by a fruit cart? I kid you not. Go through every single comic book you have. Look at it. House of M. A classic X-Men story where everything gets foiled by a fruit cart. World War Hulk, fruit cart. Just, it's there. It's always there. All right, all right. At the apex of a fight, a doorbell at the sorcerer's humble abode fries his mind. Big Blue appears despondent and walks slowly in the Gulf of Mexico, never to be seen again. And at the end, the sorcerer might be dead, and Spidey walks back to Mardi Gras to party, I guess. <laughs> what an ending. Well, before we talk about the ending, which I know there's a lot to say, all this talk about fruit carts has got me thinking, we need to take care of our sponsor business. Is that okay with you, Eddie? Sounds great. Eddie... Do you find you have too many jobs to do? Playing with your children, teaching your class, having to run errands. It gets expensive to hire an Uber bellhop, but you don't have time or energy to be in so many places at once. Tell me, has this ever happened to you? James B., you know me too well. Well, Eddie, I have great news for you. Our sponsor today is the company that brought you the Nullifier. They have used their technology for good once again. Eddie, the Psycho Intensifier is a device that will allow you to rest and relax at home while mentally controlling another person. See, here's how you use it. You just have to uh, read a couple books, the Psychic Science, Demonology, and Sorcery. Eddie, super easy. There's a witchcraft book here. Okay, but after a few years of reading and studying at the Mecca and a few more at Dahomey, Africa, which is the uh, source of all sorcery, Eddie, you'll be ready to use your mentalism to control others. Eddie, this is great news for you. Are you willing to stop wasting time, money with your family on an Uber bellhops and prepare to control your own life? Or should I say prepare to control someone else's? What do you think, Eddie? Well, it, it does seem like there's a lot of benefits to this, but um, yeah, an, auto, an auto doorbell disabler, does that come with this product? Because I'm not really sure important. what you're talking about right here. This <laughs> seems... I'm, I'm looking for you just to help support our sponsors, and this is a great opportunity for you. Eddie, right now, I can tell you're tired. I can hear the tiredness in your voice. Wouldn't you rather be having someone else do the podcast for you? There's quite a few problems uh, often in my mind. I don't think I need any more or to kind of exert those over others. I, I might have to pass, James B. Mike, how about yourself? Do you understand the benefit to having your own psycho-intensifier? Actually, I do, and I believe my wife owns one of these because I pretty much do whatever she asks. And if I knew it was just as easy to walk outside and ring the doorbell and blow her mind, I would have done this years ago. Zach, uh, are you with us on this? This is a great opportunity, right? It's a, Well, to be fair, I'm being psychically controlled by James B. to say this right now. But Eddie, this is a product you need in your life. Well... I am in the minority, but I'm staying firm. Sorry, James B. I'm just, <sighs> All right, I'm well, not going for this one. Not today. Let me at least <laughs> answer your question that you were asking before the sponsor came up. You asked, is this the end of the sorcerer? And this is the end of Big Blue, who's called, by the way, the synthetic man. It's in the first page. <laughs> I, I, made, I, I saw that eventually. Spoiler. <laughs> um, 
So I um, did my research, went online to this issue, and it's the first and only appearance of both presumed dead. Eddie, I'm so sorry. I know how much the sorcerer and the synthetic man mean to you. I, I know you were hoping to see them again. I, I, I tried. I looked everywhere. Eddie, it's... I hope you're okay. They're, they're just gone. You have to accept it. There's, they're just. There'll be no more, chibbles. No more, big blue. It's. I'm sorry, Eddie. It's just, Professor Huntington. He's gone, and the sorcerer too. That's it. That's it. He's he's somewhere. His body's somewhere on the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico. Um, this is that synthetic man. Yeah. Okay. I just looked it up online, dude. It says. First until the appearance, presumed dead. That's it. Okay. So what a mystery. you know why you know why this you know why the sorcerer died, right? It's because because of that doorbell. <laughs> Mike, can you explain to Eddie how this doorbell would obviously I, clearly was the you know how it works? Well, before I do that, the one thing I would like to make a callback is to when he mailed this package. Okay, he sends a Spider-Man doll to the general postmaster, I suppose. Now the problem with this is he includes his return address. <laughs> Now, if people, if he wanted people to know who he was, my guess is he would have put a note inside that says, hey, I'm the sorcerer. This Spider-Man doll signifies that I have defeated Spider-Man. And why he thinks Spider-Man is the worst person in the world and he has to kill him, I still haven't gotten my hands around. That being said, because the postman comes back to the door that this was originally delivered from, he rings the doorbell. Now, if I am the sorcerer and I can create this device that can control a mind from at least a thousand miles away, I believe. The first thing I'm probably going to do is make sure that outside interference doesn't cause problems. Well, not only is it outside interference, it's simply a doorbell. This is probably in 1983, not a camera doorbell. There's no electronical interference. This is simply a simple ding dong doorbell. And for some reason, when this doorbell is hit, it fries this guy's mind because of the frequency. <laughs> I'm still not quite sure exactly how this works from an electronic standpoint, but at this point, I'm completely baffled, and I'm glad the guy's dead because he doesn't deserve to live. Somehow this isn't the dumbest character death in the entire book as well, because this leads into the synthetic man just being like, all right, well, I'll just walk into the sea instead. Exactly why I decided this... to call him Professor Huntington, named after Moe's Professor from The Simpsons, who does the exact same thing. <laughs> Well, you know what is ironic here, Zach, is a couple of our issues back, we actually discussed when the glob first appeared, and he just pieced out into the bog, just like this guy. So apparently this is a running theme around this time, is, hey, I'm just going to walk into the water and, and gone. Uh, Mike, I think you'll find that the glob reassimilated into the swamp, whereas this guy, <laughs> he's going to get lodged in a turtle's nose. He's terrible for the planet. We are littering our oceans, people. Now, the question is, is because he still, he walks actually in, I would assume, my guess would have been that as soon as the mind control wore off, he would just stop. But he's still walking. Is he still wandering the bottom of the sea today? Oh, yeah, he's a sentient being. He's just, he has no control over himself. I hope he, I hope that we get caught up in a net. Maybe we can have a Forrest Gump follow-up <laughs> where, where Bubba catches this guy in the net. I, I, 
I like, dope. I like to think that he's just so sad that he has no connection to the sorcerer anymore. He's like, oh, I don't know what to do with my life. <laughs> I just think I'll walk around. My best friend is God, who really, if anybody heard me say humble abode, if, if there was ever a dude in like Spider-Man, this guy in his bathrobe, nearly always, <laughs> he is the dude, right? <laughs> he is absolutely Definitely. the dude. Oh my. Gentlemen, I I think this is the strongest villain Spidey has ever encountered. Does anybody agree with me? Eddie, the uh, strongest villain, do you mean the synthetic man or did you mean the sorcerer? I, I think this I think the sorcerer, except for Doorbell. I mean if, if this guy had a cat, except he'd be in big Eddie, trouble I'm sorry. too, right? Eddie, I, I think you just said it yourself completely. It's that he can't be the strongest villain. He was taken <laughs> down by a doorbell. Spider-Man right, isn't the still... hero in this book. The U.S. Postal Service is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I 100% agree that I think the synthetic man, you saw him. He was honestly unstoppable. What do you guys think of the whole sequence in the beginning with the with the guys trying to fight Spider-Man? And I'm talking about like pages like two and three and four. There's right. these crooks who are like, you know, oh, he's hurt. <laughs> We're going to fight him. And, you know, did anybody have anything to say about that? I, was, I just love the utter incompetence of them that they have uh, Spider-Man who is maybe at 5%. He's really not well with this psychic uh, takeover that's happening of his body. Yet he still absolutely batters them. And I love that it's one of the only times you see, instead of the villains getting defeated and laying unconscious on the floor, maybe dead, they get up and they're holding their wounds going, oh, that really hurt. We should probably leave now. (laughs) I love some of the verbiage that he uses. Like here he says, I never want to be there when he's bright eyed and bushy tailed. And yeah, he's like, I ain't tackling that cat no more. So yeah, the words that they're using are very hilariously meant to be of the times. But this guy just, he's an idiot. I just love it. Eddie, um, (laughs) on page 10, I noticed that Harry is trying to give the prescription to Peter and he calls Peter a gloomy roomie. We just did a podcast where Peter called Harry a gloomy roomie. Um, Is this just a way to make words rhyme or are these people actually just gloomy all the time i i i argued that peter is always gloomy that somebody needs to like yell at him about being less gloomy because i i can't believe they could both be in the same like as roommates at the same time really particularly since harry steel and his girl here right <laughs> so he senses weakness he's like all right Did, i got this we, we took we talked about this section, Mike, about Harry Steele and his girl. Did you notice what uh, what Mary Jane says to Harry in that frame with creepy-looking Harry with his arm on the girls? Did you see what Mary Jane's response is? Uh, I actually don't remember off the she, top of my head. Let me she, see. She oh. says, just be sure Gwendolyn remembers whose date you are, Tiger. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> At least you didn't call him Dad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pop. <laughs> But it's, I found it interesting that Mary Jane, and again, we've been reading, you know, straight through Spider-Man, that Mary Jane is now like, hey, Gwen, keep your hand off of, off of Harry. You don't, you don't see that so often. In fact, she was so concerned that she wanted Peter to come out with them that in the panel before that, she even says, are you sure you're not putting us on, PDO? You're as cool as a cucumber. Like, maybe you're, maybe you're faking it. I don't, please don't send Gwen out with Harry. I don't want Harry, you know, I don't want, he's got a little bit of a wandering eye, you know? 
Well, that being said, I'm still not sure why everyone is so concerned about Harry. He is ugly as sin. So I'm not sure how he, A, gets the hot woman, and then B, the hot woman's afraid he's going to get yet another hot woman. Eddie, is is Harry uglier in these photos here with his creepy grin under, and the girls, or you know, I'm gonna ask I you, know or what you're going to ask me. Fu Manchu mustache. Under under no circumstance is he uglier than when he has his Fu Manchu mustache and uh, his, com- his whatever he's got on the outfit. That mustache, gentlemen, have you seen Harry's mustache? His Fu Manchu mustache at all? It, I don't think I have. It, you it lasts, take, it's worthwhile uh, yeah. to like take a look at for like. It's in issues 75, 6, and 7 or so of Amazing Spider-Man, you know, so it's... It, it, uh, it's... it was worth a whole, like, five-minute conversation with us, because... Uh... <laughs> is it, uh, if you, you know, to spoil it, a story beat, or is it just a stylistic choice? Well, it, it pops in, and remember, Mary Jane is wild about it. That's why I grew it. <laughs> She's so. swinging it drives, her, <laughs> it drives her mad. Yeah, that's... I know Eddie loves offbeat issues. Yes, I know I Eddie loves the crazy villains. Uh, Zach, well, we're not going to see Ross Andrew for a long time uh, in writing Spider-Man. You know, it's going to be months for Eddie and I catch up to him. But what do you think of the artwork? I was really genuinely happy when I sat down to read this. Uh, not that John Romita was injured. I have no no ill feeling towards John Romita. <laughs> He's a very talented man. He did a lot for the medium. But to see Ross Andrew, the co-creator of Punisher penciling this book as a uh, as a failed illustrator myself i was really excited it's like what was this book 1969 did you say it came out 68 68 and if you look at a lot of the panel work especially when he's drawing the sorcerer in his armchair brooding over spider-man it looks just like dave gibbon's artwork in watchmen which wouldn't come out for like 20 years after this book it's i i, I yeah i had a fanboy moment i was very excited awesome Hey, if you've liked what you heard today, we'd like you to like us by going to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, and please give us five stars. Also, we'd like to say a special thanks ourselves, once again, to Mike and Zach from the Multiverse of Badness podcast. And if you've enjoyed hearing us with them, we have a special treat. You can find their podcast, The Multiverse of Badness, and check out episode eight when we talk about... Spider-Man and the Dallas Cowboys as they face off against the Ringmaster. That's right. Another podcast with James B., Mike, Zach, and Eddie talking nonsense. It's time to wrap this one up. So, Eddie, could you tell the listeners how they can reach us? Because I don't want the message to bounce back at them and leads to their death. (laughs) Sure. You can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or at you can find us on Twitter at letsreadspidey. Mike and Zach? You guys uh, have ways that we can reach you? Of course we do. You can reach us on all social media platforms that matter, so do not reach out to us on Facebook. It's a dumpster fire. But you can reach out to us on the Twitters and the Instagrams. We are on Twitter at Multiverse of Bad. We are on the Instagrams at MultiverseofBadness.com. And if you would like to reach us via email, you can send it to anything at MultiverseofBadness.com. You could send it to Let's Read Spider-Man at MultiverseofBadness.com. <laughs> Because that's not confusing. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for taking the time to come and help us today, especially with the busyness of your podcasts. I know that Zach has multiple podcasts, at least one, which his fiance likes. And for our listeners, thank you for listening today. And remember, listeners, the most dangerous villains are no match for the might of the U.S. Postal Service. (laughs) Let's read Spider-Man. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) 
able to do this book with you guys of all people, I mean, this is this is a perfect fit. That being said, do we like the story? We never really talk about that. I would say this, at least the end I absolutely hate because <laughs> we were talking about how gloomy Peter Parker was this whole thing. And then he walks away with this line. I don't understand. I may never understand. I seem to know that the victory is mine. It's like, <laughs> okay, you literally just got lucky. And you're sitting here bragging against this hidden nameless foe. So I hate that he's Mr. Arrogant all of a sudden. Like he did something other than this guy walking into the ocean. And this guy, for all, he also, let's not forget that he must have created the synthetic man, taking him all the way to New Orleans and stuck him in a box. So not only can he create an amplifier, he can create a synthetic man, control the synthetic man and Spider-Man at similar times. And yet he's taken down, as Zach would say, by the U.S. Postal Service. It's, it's just awful writing. It's lazy writing is what it is. So, and I'm glad he's dead. So I'm glad you bring that up because I love the ending. I thought the ending was possibly the only good bit about this book. It was just out of left field, ding dong, zap, gone. Yeah, recently Quicksilver was running circles around him, taking him to town, and Spider-Man put out his arm and gave him a, a clothesline and the fight was over. You know, it's like, wait, what? One one punch man is is the <laughs> Spider-Man villain of the day. So how many doorbells would you rate this one, guys? I'll do it give you a little bit of a multiverse of badness kind of flavor. You only need one to finish it off, so I'll, I'll give it the, the one doorbell. 